Aren't you glad to have the body of Christ around you? I'm looking for my notes. What did I do with them? I buried them. There they are. Glory to God. Um, I heard that we are running out of uh, red letter revival shirts. And we're running out of sizes. But we have fire, passion, and purpose shirts. Yeah? Anybody, anybody want a fire, passion, purpose shirt? Uh, 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 uh. Who had a birthday this week? Right here, right here? Yeah, I don't know your name. Come, come, come forward. Birthday. It's Gail Vitale's birthday today. Come on up, come on up. Okay, we have other sizes in the back. What's your name, love? Amira. Amira? I said it right. That's pretty good. All right. Bless you. Thank you. Good to have you with us. And Gail Vitale's birthday today. All right, give Gail a hand. Happy birthday. Who, what? This week? Wow, it's birthday season. Wow, how fun is that, huh? Chase is 21. Gail is 29. Amira is 19. Who knows? I don't know. All right. Well, praise the Lord. Isn't God good? Yeah, Mrs. Wolf didn't die. We're going to conquer our mountain. We're going to make it. You're going to live, church. It's going to be okay. Look at somebody and say, it's going to be okay. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's my most famous saying right there. Uh, let's go to the Word. Get your Bibles out. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 12. Um, Falling forward. And I want, to, I want to talk a little bit this morning about uh, uh, how you might fall, right? And we were, we were laughing during uh, uh, the service coordination meeting before service because uh, they asked for the sermon title. I said, Falling Forward. And then the last song is Lean Back. <laughs> so then we, did, we just figured that we're really going to confuse you this morning. We lean back or fall forward. What do we do? And, and uh, so just, you know, declare up any confusion. Uh, hopefully you'll understand uh, what I'm trying to say uh, as we go through this morning. And then also, just to encourage you, I'm so glad that you're here uh, because your presence in church, uh, it means that you have a heart to pursue him and, and have a right relationship with him to make Jesus the Lord of your life. And I think that's what Lean Back is all about. Uh, Romans chapter 10, 8, 9, and 10. Uh, we don't throw Jesus on like icing on a cake. Uh, we make him the Lord of our lives. Amen? And so this is part of leaning back, part of just uh, trusting him as we actually listen for his cues. We, we still ourselves, we calm ourselves enough uh, to let him be the lead, let him take the lead, let him be the coach. Uh, I know Lord is really powerful, like king and Lord, that's powerful, but I like the word coach as well. Anybody like the word coach? Uh, it's a little more gentle. I kind of like that. The Holy Spirit uh, is a gentleman, and the Holy Spirit likes to coach us. And, uh, and, and we actually have the choice to make that coaching Lord or not. How many of you listen sometimes and don't some others? Does it, has anybody admit, would anybody admit in the building that they sometimes don't listen? Would anybody admit that sometimes you're running so fast it's hard to listen? Uh, <laughs> would anybody admit that sometimes you argue with what you hear? Yeah, so, so that's, you know, we want to trust that his coaching his gentle, persuasive, coaching voice is so that he has such good things in mind for us that, he's, that, that we can trust, that, that, that he's trustworthy, that, it, that, it's, that it's richer to listen and to follow uh, because last we checked, he knows the future. Does anybody know that? Does anybody believe that in the building? He knows more about how to get you to where you need to go than you know how to get there. And what I like about Father, even though he calls us to give up our lives, 
And I was just reading this week because I was going through Matthew a bunch, and, and uh, I was just chasing all through Matthew because we've been in Matthew on the red letters, and so I just stayed in Matthew in my reading. And I was reading, you know, that section about that if we lose our lives, we find it. If we hang on to our lives, we lose it, but if we lose our lives, we find it. We find life if we lose grasping, holding on to our own lives. We actually find life. And that is what's amazing about God is that God can do, because a lot of times, I don't know if, uh, if you think about this, but growing up in church, and I grew up in church, growing up in religion, growing up in church, uh, it always seemed that everything was all about God. And that I was, and just every sermon was just beating me to pieces, and just everything was all about God, God's will, and God, and, uh, and, and what I've learned is that God is able, God is able to get his will done and what he's ordained for you at the same time, that it doesn't have to be either or. And that's just fun to shatter that uh, impression that the enemy has put on all of us, that if, it, if it's all about God and if everything is for God and if it's oriented around God's will, then we're essentially just going to be left out of everything. We're just, it's just going to be this sacrificial life of living like a worm until we get to glory. And, you know, the Word just wants to pierce through that lie, shatter that lie, and, and, and let you know that He can do two things at one time that he can bless you beyond your wildest belief, that he can lead you, he can guide you, he can prosper you, he can give you increase, he can strengthen you, he can give you favor, that he is your best friend, and that when you, when you put him first, it's that Matthew 6 thing, when you put him first, truly everything else that you need will be added to you. And so, Father, we do lean into you this morning. And we trust you, we look to you, we make that kind of decision within, uh, not only in our heart, but uh, we, we bring that kind of uh, talk to the narrative of how we uh, live life and how we express ourselves. And we, just, we just want to be uh, your kids and draw near to you, close to you, like no other. In Jesus' name, everybody said... Matthew chapter 12. Uh, Matthew chapter 12 uh, is, uh, there, there's a portion of Matthew chapter 12 that's about deliverance. It's about deliverance, about the demonic realm uh, and deliverance. And, uh, and those of us that uh, have been engaged, grown in, developed in, uh, been strengthened in any kind of deliverance ministry or understanding demons or demonology, have oftentimes looked at Matthew 12 and, and taken some cues out of Matthew 12. Uh, so I want to go to some of those verses. They are red. They're in the red, and I want to go to some of those verses and, and talk a little bit this morning, uh, pull some thought out of that, and then we'll skip around a little bit in some of the other verses of the New Testament as well as red letters uh, to see if we can develop a falling forward lifestyle. Matthew chapter 12, and uh, we'll pick it up at verse 22. Verse 22. Then there was brought to him a demon-possessed man. By the way, demon-possessed uh, is actually not in the Greek, so it, it comes through almost every translation as demon-possessed. But it, truly in the Greek, the word there is demonized. And uh, I want to subject to you that every person is demonized. Uh, to one degree or a, to a little degree or a bigger. Uh, and so uh, then there was brought to him a, and I'm going to say demonized man, who was blind and dumb, and he healed him so that the dumb man spoke and saw. That's a sermon right there. So demons were causing what appeared to be physical sickness, Right? And all the multitudes were amazed and began to say, this man cannot be the son of David, can he? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, this man casts out demons only by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. And knowing their thoughts, or we could say having a word of knowledge, Jesus functioned in 
uh, all nine of the gifts of the Spirit listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 fully. So uh, there might be more than nine gifts of the Spirit, by the way. Uh, but nine of them are summarized in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we see all of those activated in Jesus after he was baptized uh, in the Jordan. And it says the Holy Spirit came upon him. So like we have a come upon anointing, uh, the, Ho the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus. Do you remember that? And from that time on, there was ministry expressions, miracle working ministry expressions. Uh, is that okay? And knowing their thoughts, he said to them, any kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and any city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then shall his kingdom stand? And if by Beelzebub, if I by Beelzebub cast out demons, by whom do your sons cast them out? Consequently, they shall be your judges." But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom have God, of God has come upon you. Or how can anyone enter the strong man's house and carry off his property unless he first binds the strong man, and then he will plunder his house? He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. So let's, let's go back to verse 29. Pick it up right there at verse 29. Are you following along with me? We okay? We're good on the screens? Or how can anyone enter the strong man's house and carry off his property unless he first binds a strong man and then he will plunder his house? So we're talking about uh, the, the metaphor, the context, the, the storyline, the narrative is about a house, but he's talking about our house, our inner house. And that when we have a fortification of, or when we have problems, when we have trouble. And he's going to go on with this throughout the chapter. We're going to pick it up in a few minutes. But when we have struggles within, or when we have dysfunction, when we have disbelief, when we have fears, when we have addictions, when we have, when we have the overflow of what would be called later by Paul to the Galatians, the works of the flesh, when these things are in operation or activation or they're predominant uh, in our lives, then he's saying that it's due to some kind of a fortification of junk within. There's some kind of a fortification in the house, and he's comparing that uh, because he's using this architectural metaphor. He's comparing that to kind of the building up of of bricks. It could be the building up of occurrences, the building up of knowledge, uh, the building up of environment, education, history, family. So, but there's the building up, brick upon brick, of that which causes a fortification, and inside of that fortification of experience and thought and knowledge and background and family and injury and damage and whatever's caused it, then the, out of that fortification, a strong man a strong man will be operating. In other words, once a fortification is built, then that fortification can be inhabited by a strong man. And that strong man watches over the fortification that's been built so that there will be a reoccurrence of those fears or that dysfunction or that trouble or that rejection or that negativity so that there's a repetition of behavior happening. And he's saying that there's actually a strong man there that when the Lord comes, when a stronger one comes... And he was showing himself to be the stronger one and tears down the fortification or, or essentially, he says, uh, dispossesses or, or, or exits or uh, 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 drives out the strong man. Then the house uh, that, that's been built is also plundered, overthrown, and done away with. So that now this unclean habitation that's within your soul, within a person's soul, uh, is no longer dominant. It's no longer, and, and we call this, you know, in deliverance ministry, we call this freedom, right? Uh, and for all of us, some of our, you know, fortifications have been small. Some of our fortifications have been big. Some of our fortifications haven't been totally overthrown. Uh, some of our fortifications, the strong man's been dismissed, uh, but there's still some stuff going on. 
And so to that, I want to talk about because uh, what the enemy wants to do is to re-engage with you. And I think every one of us can experience or have experienced, I should say, uh, a re-engaging of something with the enemy where there's been some kind of fortification. Uh, even if freedom comes to you by way of uh, repenting and renouncing and, and really getting your heart right with God and, and you are in disagreement with what you once were in agreement with and you are saying no more will you be a part of what uh, you used to believe or submit to or yield to and what used to be uh, expressing itself through you, uh, even, if you if, even if you do all of that, uh, there still could be a coming wrestling. There still could be a coming uh, troubling because you once had this vulnerability. And so once having a vulnerability, then the Lord's going to go on. He's going to give us some thoughts here. Once having a vulnerability, then that sets you, you you're actually, though you come into freedom, you're actually uh, not strong yet. Does that make sense? Um, strong won't be defined until your, your house, your inner soul, your inner man, uh, has new fortifications that out of those new fortifications uh, you can uh, conquer, you can overcome, you can build, uh, you, you, can, you can feast off of. And, you know, the other metaphor for uh, the word all the way through, these two metaphors that are predominant, one is the architectural metaphor, one is the agricultural metaphor. And this is, you know, we, we can draw on some of this to know that this is how your inner man, how you can know that your inner man is not just free, but in a place where you're stronger, you're renewed, uh, 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 you're overcoming. Uh, part of that is because your garden now will have things growing in it uh, out of the promises of God. And so, you know, uh, seed and agriculture and harvest, that's the other metaphor. Your garden will have things growing in it. And Jesus kind of flip-flops back and forth, even in Matthew 12, between these two metaphors, the architectural metaphor and the agricultural metaphor. And we could go on and read a little bit about that, and we should, uh, going on, uh, picking it up at, Verse 33 in chapter 12. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. So this is interesting. We just went from a architectural metaphor. He's talking about a stronghold, and he's talking about if a stronghold's been built in your life, then uh, a stronghold would be a great home to a strong man. Right? And this strong man in this case would be a negative, a, a, a strong man we don't want around. Let's get rid of this strong man. So, but now he's shifting, just a few verses later, he shifts into uh, talking about the heart as well as that which is related to agriculture. And the tree is known by its fruit. Verse 34. You brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. So we're on the same topic. We've just shifted metaphors. What's filling your heart? What's filling your heart? The mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. And it can't speak out of anything else. The good man... Out of his good treasure brings forth what is good. So not just out of his mouth, but out of your life even. And the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil. And I say to you, every careless word that men speak, they shall render account for it in the day of judgment. Now I want you to jump over to verse 43. Let's jump over to verse 43. 
Now, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, and again, we're, we're still in the same context. He's still keeping us in this same context, talking about the heart of man, talking about fortifications that allow for strongholds, talking about the heart and how out of the heart good or evil proceed. So then he, and he's clarifying for those listening on that day, but also for us. When the unclean spirit goes out of a man, it passes through waterless places, arid places, dry places, seeking rest, and it does not find it. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. Here he's talking about us as a house. And when it comes, it finds it unoccupied, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and takes along with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there, and the last state of that man becomes worse than the first. Now listen to the last verse because... We've used and we typically use this section, those of us that understand freedom and deliverance and confronting the demonic realm, and we usually use this section to help us gain personal freedom, retain personal freedom, and lead others into personal freedom. But look at the last verse, actually what he was talking about, because there was a, in the context, there was a rebuke to those that were listening. So he's saying, you're a faithless generation. You're asking for a sign. I'm not going to give you any more signs. I've given you a bunch. It's a perverse generation that's asking for more signs. So this, this, was, this was, by the way, the generation of the end of the Mosaic period. So just to give you a little bit of biblical history, this generation that he's talking to is the final generation under the law. This is the last day's generation, by the way. This was the last day's generation. And this is the final generation under the law. And, and they were wishing in, in the heart of God, in the heart of God, there was a covenant lawsuit brought against this generation, by the way. But in the heart of God, God wanted this generation to turn their hearts. And before the message could go to the Gentiles, and before Jesus could go to the Gentiles, and before freedom and deliverance and everything that God was sending the Messiah, the Christ to do, could go to the Gentiles, it first had to come to the Hebrew people. So we pick up this theme in Malachi chapter 3, Malachi chapter 4, where Malachi prophesies of the Elijah to come. Well, we're, we're told by Jesus that John was the Elijah to come. And that the Elijah to come would come to the last day's generation. And he would come prophesying. And he would come calling people back. And then Jesus would be the Elisha ministry, the double portion one who would put Jezebel under his feet, by the way. And there's a lot of metaphor here. There's a lot of insight here uh, that we can't go into today. But, but this is what's happening. We see in Matthew 23, Jesus is weeping over Jerusalem. And he's saying, I wanted, you to gather, I wanted to gather you like a hen gathers her chicks. I wanted you to gather you to myself, but you would not. So he's talking to this generation, and it's to this generation that he's saying that to you, you don't, you don't understand. You've been a demonized generation. You've given yourself over to be a demonized generation. And he's saying even... Even if I bring you freedom, even if I bring you deliverance, even if I break down all the strongholds in this generation, the spirits that you've been subjected to are going to come back upon you, and they're going to gather seven more. And look, he's actually speaking to this generation. And I just wanted you to see this because he's not saying to you, and I know that there's 
you know, those in deliverance ministry, we will, we will even use this to incite fear among you. And maybe it's kind of a good holy fear. I don't know. But we'll see, you know, we'll say, see there, if you give way to that, uh, seven more are going to come upon you. But look what he said. He said, he says, with regard to this, this is the way it will also be with this evil generation. So what he was talking about specifically and in context, he's talking to that generation and he's telling them, this is what's going to happen to you. And it wasn't a prophetic decree. It was a foreknowledge understanding that this was going to happen to this generation, that no matter how clean or no matter how much breakthrough that last day's generation got, that the enemy was going to come and find the house put in order, swept clean, but seven more would come upon the generation. And the end of that generation would be worse than the beginning when he showed up on the scene. Am I making sense? Now, there's still wisdom in this for us because we still learn a whole bunch about the cleaning of a house, and we learn also with regard to this what happens with anything we've conquered. Anything, have you conquered anything? How many of you have conquered something, and then it wasn't long, and you were wrestling with it again? You conquered a fear, you conquered a temptation, you conquered some bitterness, you conquered some hatred, you conquered an attitude, you conquered some work of the flesh, right? And you got a victory, but it wasn't long, and you were wrestling with it again. But maybe you weren't wrestling in the same way. Maybe it wasn't so much that you were re-engaged inwardly like it had a stronghold within you again, but you had to defeat it again. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And I think this is part of the wisdom that we can extrapolate out of this is that we don't want a house unoccupied. That when freedom comes at any level, freedom comes, revelation comes, insight comes, understanding comes, liberty comes. If you get some kind of a breakthrough over anything that you've ever struggled with, then from that moment on, what he's showing us and telling us is you don't want to go forward with an unoccupied house. You want a fortification, a treasure of God's word, of God's seed, of God's of God's experiences. I like to think of the architectural side of this illustration as circumstance and experiences. Brick by brick, I'm building a stronghold for the Holy Spirit to bring forth the fullness of Jesus through me. So that's why I want revival meetings. That's why I want altar experiences. That's why I want worship experiences where I'm touched by the presence of God. That's why I want to be around the body of Christ. That's why... Because that's why I, I want to experience love and I want to give love. Because brick by brick, circumstance after circumstance, yes, the enemy touched me when I was younger. Yes, the enemy harmed me. Yes, circumstances were against me. Yes, there were certain things that, that like built a fortification of harm within me. But now that I'm free... I don't want to just be swept clean and unoccupied, put in order, because I don't want to be weakened or unable to defeat the enemy when he comes back, and the enemy will come back. But I want to be fortified. I want to be strong. And I think on the architectural side, that really plays into healthy and right and righteous, biblical, wonderful, powerful experiences in God. I don't want to just hide in my room for fear. I want to be in pursuit of God. I want to be running after God. 
You know, when Jesus, uh, the miracles started in Matthew chapter 4, and uh, they just continued on. And then when we get to Matthew chapter, and many of these miracles were the pursuit of those coming to him. You know, these, these blind guys coming and saying, son of David, have mercy on us. They're hearing the good news. He's telling the good news of the kingdom. He's announcing sins forgiven. I mean, he's just... He is blowing them up with goodness. He's opening their eyes to the understanding that that they're all welcomed into this new kingdom. And all of this is happening, and so they're, they're pursuing him. And then in Matthew chapter 11, he says that from the days till John the ba- of John the Baptist till now, the kingdom of heaven is suffering violence. There's a shaking, there's a opening up, there's a change, there's a shift in the kingdom of heaven. And he says, and the violent are taking it by force. Now, when he said that proclamation, he said that reflecting on all of these people that were hearing about him and making a, a, a wild pursuit to lay hold of him. Like the woman with the issue of blood, who, who, who's presses through the crowd because she heard about Jesus and grabs the hem of his garment, and she's saying to herself, if I can just touch him, I will be made whole. And I'm telling you, that's the kind of life that God wants us to have. There's something about uh, a fortification for the presence of the Holy Spirit that is built when we are pressing in circumstantially to get near the presence of God, to get near the place of God, to get near the people of God, to, to not avoid. We, can't, we get free. We aren't going to stay free by hiding in our bedroom. We're going to stay free as we build a fortification of circumstances that bear witness to the goodness of God. That's the architectural side. But then the, there's the agricultural side. That's filling the inner man with the word. Filling the inner man with the word so that when the enemy comes, we know how to address. We know how to confront. We know how to say, no, uh, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We, we know what it is because we've built a fortification inwardly. We've treasured his word within. And this is so critical. This is so important. This is part of us readying ourselves. Are you ready for the enemy to come at you? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? The Lord wants us to be ready for the enemy to come at him, to come at us. You know what I think? I think, uh, I think this is part of why Job uh, is in the Bible, part of why I think Job was such an amazing person because uh, Satan shows up, and he's having a conversation with, with Father, and he was there in Adam's authority, by the way, uh, and father says, what are you doing? And he says, yeah, I'm just kind of roaming around seeing who I can mess up. And, and, uh, and God had so much confidence in Job. This is a prayer. That, <laughs> this is a prayer we ought to have about us. God, I want, I want you to have so much confidence in me that you could actually send the devil my way. Father says, have you considered my servant Job? That's how much confidence he had in Job. That's this fortification of the word within us. We want a fortification of the word so rich within us. We want a fortification of the word so strong within us, so rich within us, that we're ready 
that we're ready for whatever the assignment might be. And it's probably going to be a, a reoccurring assignment according to the vulnerability that the enemy already knows we have, that we already know we have, that we've already fallen to a few times. It's probably going to be a vulnerability around that realm. But the Word of God will sustain you. The Word of God will strengthen you. The Word of God will enable you to resist. The Word of God will not only give you a sword, but give you a shield. So this is, this is what we want. But what happens is the word that we're getting, anytime we get the word and we're getting the word, we're building a fortification with the word. The word is this seed. So we learn that the word is a part of us getting this good treasure within, but the word is a seed. That's good, but it's also a problem. Why is it a problem? Well, because seeds don't become mature overnight. So what do we do in the meantime if the enemy comes, if the enemy comes, if life happens, if trouble comes, if casualty, if calamity, if difficulty comes, and we just barely started planting some of this word within us? You follow what I'm saying? Because it takes time for the word to grow. You aren't the Hulk overnight. Right? Go over to Mark 4.26. Mark 4.26. Uh, this is just talking about uh, the word takes time to grow. And I have the answer for you this morning on how to solve this, by the way. And he was saying the kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon soil. And, it, and he goes to bed at night, and he gets up by day, and the seed sprouts up and grows. How, he does not know. But the soil produces crops by itself, first the blade. Everybody say, first the blade. Well, that's not a very mature thing, is it? You going to eat the blade? No. Is the blade going to produce uh, for you everything that you desired? No. Will, 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 when you have the blade, will you have what you need to resist the enemy? No, probably not. Then the head and then the mature grain in the head. But when the crop permits, he immediately puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. When does the harvest come? When the crop permits. When does the crop permit for the harvest to come? When the full grain is in the head. And this is the way it is with the word. You get a little bit of the word in you, and you're not ready to conquer everything that used to overwhelm you. You're not ready. And by the way, this is why we need each other. This is why, this is why joining a local assembly is the smartest thing you can do. And you are to one another the solution of the very thing that I'm talking about. You are to one another the solution of this problem. Because you are strength to one another. And some of you have victories where others just got the word. Some of you have breakthrough where others just got the seed. Some of you have strength where others just have the blade growing. And some, they just have the head that's just appeared. But others of you have victories. And this is why we need each other. Right now, I'm getting a phone call every single day from somebody who has been a born-again, spirit-filled believer maybe most of their entire life actually even went to Christian school, but they have fallen and fallen and fallen and fallen in a particular addiction pattern, a particular sin. And they haven't fallen forward. They've been falling backwards. So I said, I'll be your partner. I'll be your partner. I'll be your partner. But there has to be a pursuit. There has to be an eager pursuit one to another. There has to be the way, the way this works is we have to make a demand on one another like those crowds were making a demand on Jesus. I don't even know how to lead you if you don't make a demand on me to be led. Did you hear me? 
I don't even know how to lead you, nor would I assume that I have the freedom or the welcome to lead you or to bless you or to strengthen you or to help you if you don't become vulnerable, if you don't let me know, if you don't let a body member know. So every day I get this phone call. Now, the reason that I get this phone call every day is because I told him this works. I told him this works. Fact is, if we would work this in our marriages a little bit more, if we would work some vulnerability in our marriages... See, those of you that are married, right beside you is a breakthrough partner. Right beside you is a strength partner. Right beside you is somebody who's probably got a victory where you need one. Oh, but we don't, we don't want to hear it from our spouses. Don't be telling me how to be spiritual. Get out of my face like you know something. We can kiss. We can be sexual. We can have babies. We can have a household, but don't get in my spiritual business. Really? That's your breakthrough partner. You're missing it. That's your breakthrough partner. You're to be strength to them where they have a weakness. They're to be strength to you where you have a weakness. Oh, that's the whole problem. Let's see. If I get vulnerable, oh, my word. I mean, I'm going to point out their vulnerabilities, but then I have to be vulnerable? Oh, no. Forget that. So we have to be vulnerable. A family like this, a big giant family like this, we can't become who God's meant us to be. We can't grow and develop and become, and we can't strengthen one another and tie one off. You don't know what I mean by that. But, but uh, even here, you know, when we put in the landscaping, it was $62,000 to put in the landscaping. And these trees out here that are now this big around, and by the way, Joel and I saw some columnar maples the other day, and they were that big around. They said, oh, my word, our trees are going to be that big someday? Whoa. Right now they're this big around. I'm like, oh, my word. When we put those in 13 years ago, they were two inches in diameter. They were little bitty things. A storm would have blown them over. They were planted, but the roots didn't go down deep. And so something could have taken them out. So what did we do? We had to spend extra money, and we put these pressure-treated posts all around them, three or four, and then we tied those off to those posts that went down deeper than the roots were going with the initial planting. We had to be tied off. We had to tie off. And this is what... This is what The solution is for our situation as well, is that you're going to get a word, you're going to get an insight, you're going to get breakthrough, you're going to get some freedom, you're you're going to get some, something good's going to happen in your life with regard to freedom, but now you've got this unoccupied house. You need circumstances in the spirit, and you need the word to be planted, and you've got to be tied off to others who have victories where you don't have the victory, who's got strength where you don't have the... And that means you can't avoid relation. Church is not about the building. Church is not about even who's got the largest or who's got the greatest or, or who's got new uh, asphalt cover or, or who's got the fanciest lighting. The church, the ecclesia of God are those who've become a family, who've knit themselves one to another, who become vulnerable, who strengthen, who pray for, who build up, who speak the truth in love. This is Ephesians chapter 4. Yes, I've given you these offices, these gifts. I've given these to the church that you might grow up into the works of the ministry, that you might all become prime ministers, first ministers, first servants, that you all might become those who are fit for the works of ministry and that you might build one another up that you might provide in love what each of you are ordained to provide, that you might grow up fully in him, speaking the truth in love, that you might all come into the full stature of the measure of the faith that belongs to Jesus. And it doesn't happen 
on a Sunday morning alone. It happens because here we have family reunion and we meet one another and we go out to lunch with one another and we cherish every relationship in this room. We cherish every relationship and we begin to lay down our lives for one another. We lay down our lives and we open up our hearts so much so that my vulnerability makes a demand on your strength. Hey, I heard you got this. Could we meet together and have coffee? Hey, I saw something in you. Would you spend a few time, uh, moments with me? Hey, have you ever gone through this? Yeah. Could we meet and have a little bit of coffee sometime? Oh, yeah, let's populate all of the coffee shops. And get a steamer if you want but build relationships. Amen? Let's stand this morning as we close. This is the heart of God that we want to carry. This is the heart of God that we want to carry all the way through, that we would be restorers, that we would, be, that we would love one another. Galatians 6, 1. What if part of this for all of us, what if part of this is slowing down just a hair when we're greeting one another? I've been guilty of it. We come by greeting so fast that we give the impression, how you doing? Good. How you doing? Groovy. What's up? Bro, dude, wow, oh, we're always in such a rush because we've made time the Lord of our lives, or we've made what's on the other side of now too high of a priority. What if we just slowed down enough? I'm talking to me right now. I'm preaching me happy. What if we just slowed down enough that it opened a window and that other person to not feel like they were putting us out if they got vulnerable. Wow, what could happen in a family like this where we have these one another relationships? Amen? What if we didn't have to rush out of here because Arby's is about to burn the roast? <laughs> Wendy's is about to overcook our burger. Taco Bell just ran out of Chihuahua. <laughs> what if we didn't have to rush out of here? What if... Are we playing yet? What, what if we could, instead of jogging to our car, what if we could just mosey, put a little mosey on, purposely walk slow and put an I'm open sign on your back? I don't know. You hear what I'm talking about? Because church is family. Church is family, and we have to understand. You have to understand, you're not going to be ready for every victory that you want to have, even though you just got free. Because you might have a house that's swept clean, but the Word is not rooted deep enough to enable you to bear up under the temptation that's coming. But if you're tied off to somebody in this room, if you're tied off with, with, with a phone call, you're tied off with some vulnerability, you're tied off with some prayer, wow, then you're going to stand. You're going to stand. You're going to overcome. You're going to grow. You're not, you're not going to be blown out of the soil. Amen? Let's bow our heads, close our eyes this morning because God's doing something good with us. Let's pray this. Father, make us vulnerable. Father, make us vulnerable. Father, make us tender. Make us pliable. Make us restoration-oriented and focused. Holy Spirit, we welcome you to shift our hearts toward people again. Shift our hearts toward one another again. Shift our hearts toward restoration again. 
We ask you to do it in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask the prayer partners to come and for you just to keep your eyes closed for a moment. If you're here this morning and this relates to you in any way, you're just like, wow, I, I need some prayer. I need some strength. I, I need a lift. I, I need to share something. I, this is the very morning that I, I needed to kind of be real over something with somebody I could trust and somebody that I could be encouraged by. If that's you this morning, just come as we close. We're going to worship as we close. Just come. Just come and let somebody pray over you. Let somebody strengthen you. Let somebody build you up. Let somebody get in your corner, throw some water at your parched mouth right now and just shout grace over you. Father, we welcome you right now, right now, right now. We're where, where we've been tempted even this week, where we've been challenged, where we've been tested, where we've been, even right now, where there's been things coming our way that's just seemed overwhelming, Lord, we release the one another grace of God to make a shift in this room, to make a shift with this family, to make a shift one to another, where we become strength and grace and vulnerable to one another in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Jesus. 